and welcome to the Off-Kilter Quilt. My name is Frances and I'll be your hostess. And welcome to episode 242, I think. Could it be 243? I don't know. It says on the label. Just look at the title. That'll tell you what it is. But it is Sunday, February 2nd, Super Bowl Sunday. Not that I actually care in the slightest. Although I do like the fact that the teams in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs and the 49ers, are not teams I feel like we've seen in the Super Bowl in a long time. I just feel like it's been Patriots, Saints, you know, just kind of boring. I mean, I feel like those two teams have kind of ruled the thing. So even though I don't care about football, and I suspect that sooner or later football is going to be outlawed, right? It's so damaging to the people who play it. But having said that, for some reason, I like the fact that the teams playing are teams that have not dominated uh, in the last decade. It's a new decade. It's time for new teams. I'm sitting in the man's study. The man is out on a hike. It's a beautiful day here in central North Carolina. Not that I care about beautiful weather or bad weather. I'm impervious, but it is kind of nice. And this is a study that he and Will share. And I'm looking at Will's collection of empty seltzer cans. Uh, This has been a huge mistake on my part. I'm a huge seltzer drinker. And in fact, I really need to get a seltzer maker that is on my list, maybe for Mother's Day, because I drink so much seltzer. But for some reason, Will kind of got into seltzer. There's so much around the house. And now he drinks all my seltzer. And um, yeah, and and he doesn't really uh, put the cans in the recycle. There's not a real, he just doesn't do it. So... It's a new year because I'm discounting January. I have to tell you, I'm still not all the way well. I feel fine, but I'm still a little congested and my ear is still stuffed. If I keep looking online, and what online tells me is if it stays stuffed up for another week, then I need to go back. Um, but it just seems like it, it just, I can hear it's just stuffed, which is irritating. Um, I may be more rambling than ever in this episode just because of the stuffed ear. Anyway, but one of my resolutions for for Will this year is he actually start cleaning up after himself uh, in terms like, especially the easy stuff. There's some stuff I don't mind doing. Now, Will for years has done his own laundry, but this year he has really gotten very serious about school. And so I've kind of done... If I see his laundry piling up, I'll do it for him. Um, he's supposed to put it away. Ha! But, you know, there, there are things I don't mind doing, and it is sometimes can be a kind of love language, and I feel good that he knows how to do laundry. Like I said, he's done it for years. But at the same time, this child needs to learn how to put a seltzer can in a recycling bin. There's some things that you really just can't send your child out into the world not being able to do. Um... Jack's interesting because when he's home, he's pretty messy. At school, it really depends who he's rooming with. Uh, His sophomore year, he roomed with his friend Stephen, and Stephen was very, very neat. So the room was very, very neat. So, But the year before, his roommate was the biggest slob in the world. And so the room, it wasn't like Jack was going to clean it. So um, I don't know. So maybe he'll get together with a very neat woman, and uh, that'll take care of that. Anyway, I don't know. Why am I? It's a quilting podcast, and I'm sitting here talking about recycling. But it's good to recycle, I think. Sometimes I wonder. Sometimes, I mean, I feel like, yes, I recycle. I feel like um, it's something you should do. But sometimes I have big picture wonderings about, does it really make a difference? Maybe. Maybe it does. Let's hope it does. Okay. All right, on to the next thing. So it's Sunday. I am actually quilting Kate's quilt. That's what we're calling our funky batik quilt that I'm making for my friend Kate. Yeah, it's just Kate's quilt. You, if, you're, if you've been paying attention, you know about Kate's quilt. And um, I had this idea that I was going to do spirals. I like spirals. Spirals are fairly easy. But for some reason, I started doing spirals yesterday. And I just wasn't happy with my spirals. And I can be a little insane about stuff 
uh, you know, a little too picky. I can forget that, you know, when it's all said and done, it doesn't matter if all the stitches are perfectly equal. My machine is a machine, but I'm not a machine and human error is involved in everything I do. Unfortunately, it's, it's super involved with machine quilting. And so I actually went from going, you know, maybe I won't, I went from going, you know, maybe I'll do spirals to maybe I'll hand quilt. Yeah, and, and for about four hours yesterday, that was my plan. My problem that I keep forgetting to solve is that I can't rock a needle. I've been trying to rock a needle for almost 10 years now, right, at least. Um, I've been doing this podcast. By the way, May, it will be 10 years. Now, I've been, I, I started quilting before I started podcasting about quilting, but I think it was at some point early on in my podcasting days that I wanted to learn how to hand quilt and the problem was rocking the needle it's still the problem so one I I don't know what to do you know I keep looking at online classes and on you know videos tutorials so far no one has given me the secret and I think maybe is it because I'm left-handed no there have got to be left-handed people who 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 hand quilt their quilts and yet I am just um at a loss I so anyway but before I remembered all that I thought maybe if I do big stitch quilting and use number eight pearl thread a little thicker of thread um, it won't matter so much that the thing with not being able to rock the needle, besides the fact that you're, you're kind of stabbing stitching, the stitching on the back does not look good. It's really uneven. Now there's something about having the needle perpendicular, um, that matters as well. Like at a, would it be at a right angle to the fabric? I guess. Anyway, so I went to Joanne's. Now Joanne's is just a five minute drive for me and I got some pearl cotton and some cruel embroidery needles and I came home I thought I'm going to do this I did not do it I did not not do it It actually I I will admit that once I kind of got into the rhythm of it the back did look neater than say my um pinwheel quilt that I quilted last spring which I loved doing I hand quilted it it looked great on the front terrible in the back but I really enjoyed it so if I was doing this for myself um, and that's, I, I would be okay doing it. And in fact, I think I need to do a, a, a small quilt that's a practice quilt where I just practice until I get it right, till I figure out what the trick is. I just feel like I'm going to stumble upon it and I'm going to get it. I can't imagine taking a live and in-person hand quilting class because I could just, I would be embarrassed because, you know, and here's the thing, because I take classes and I am very willing to raise my hand and say, I don't get this. Um, but at some point, I think it becomes frust- not frustrating to the teacher. I mean, it's not like I'm making them mad, but they're just like, I don't get why everybody else gets this and, and you don't get it. It's like they're, they're discombobulated. I discombobulate teachers because they're like, everybody else gets this. And, and it's not even really hard. And I keep coming over here and trying to show you and you say you have it. And then you don't really, and then you raise your hand again, and I'm flustered and discombobulated, and I feel like I'm not really getting paid enough to to do this. Yeah, so anyway, I don't know. I did watch this uh, online tutorial, and I wish I could remember the name of the young woman, uh, although she said she'd been hand quilting for 20 years, but maybe she started when she was 10. She looked young to me. She was either from Australia or New Zealand. And my apologies to my friends from Australia and New Zealand, because I think that must be very irritating to you because I know it's, it, it, there is a significant difference in the accent from the accent itself. I would say New Zealand, but someone in the comments said something about what a nice Australian. It was nice to hear from an Aussie or something like that. So it's just like, I was confused. Her last name started with an F. It could be her first name was Susan. I'll find, if I think about it, if I remember, I will put it in the show notes. I have to tell you that it's the show notes is what gets me held up. I had the last episode. I had that done in early November. And then it was just the show notes that just like, ah, uh, um, yeah, it took two months to deal with three a long time um so yeah so yeah so but if I think about it and and her last name I think it started with an f and had a k in it and she was delightful and this was like a promo for her uh 
craftsy class, which I guess is now a blueprint class. And were I not like uh, in a self-imposed moratorium on getting new classes from craftsy slash blueprint uh, until I finish all the classes I have, then I actually could see maybe getting that. I should look it up. I should look it up because she seemed, she had this thing with the hand quilting about you take, you, you've got your, you, you form a little hill with your thumb and that's what helps you rock the needle. It's uh, yeah. And when I watched her do it, it made perfect sense. The only problem is that she's right-handed, but I could teach myself to do it right-handed. I'm, I am ambidextrous enough that I could do that. But anyway, I probably, maybe I should get someone left-handed. It's very helpful just to be able to watch, like copy someone as, as they're doing something. It is for me, um, when it comes to hand work, but if they're different handed than I am, it becomes confusing. Anyway, all this to say, it was like this four hour bout of insanity where I thought I'm going to hand quilt this quilt. And then I realized that's stupid. I'm going to do wavy line quilting on the diagonal. And that's what I'm doing. And, you know, it looks perfectly nice. And that's, you know, okay. So New York Times, Sunday Magazine, had the, uh, not the magazine, has a special uh, insert today. Magazine style, but paper, not slick. Um, I mean, slick paper's paper, but newsprint paper. And it was called I Quit. And some of these uh, articles have been online. But all these people talking about things they had quit, like from I, I Quit Possessions. That was someone who lives in a Catholic worker's house in Chicago. I, someone quit relationships, I, you know, friendships, and quit, uh, I don't know, all kinds of things. Um, quit, someone wrote about quitting a job. Someone, But, you know... I think in these harried and overproductive times of ours, it's actually really liberating to think about quitting stuff. And I don't really plan on quitting machine quilting, but I think I may quit having expectations that I am going to be a good machine quilter. Um, and I can just kind of almost hear my friend Holly Ann ripping out her hair as she listens to this because she's like the big, you know, free motion machine quilting. She does classes. She's fabulous. She's got some free stuff um, that you could look up. And again, if I think about it, I'll put a link. But um, she, on Facebook, um, her group is Quilting Rock Stars, And she's taught a ton of people to free motion quilt. And yeah, and so I, I know I must be a disappointment to her because I'm just kind of like, yeah, I've been, I, you know, I did some free motion quilting. I've done a lot of free motion quilting. I'm more about the straight line quilting at this point. And I'm more about just letting the quilt do the talking and the quilting just be in the background. It doesn't have to be amazing. Um, you know, and that's okay. That's no one. Ha, no one even expects you to make them a quilt anymore. I can't imagine that any of my Muggle friends would look at a quilt I made them and go, "Wow, this quilting is really disappointing. You went the easy route, and I don't appreciate it. I expected more of you." No one's gonna do that. No one's gonna do that. Um, yeah. So anyway, so I'm doing this. I'll be done if not today. I'll be done tomorrow, and that seems like a good thing to me. Um, it looks nice. I'm glad I chose my thread color wisely and well. I got the women at um, the Cary Quilting Company. They're very helpful there. And we all discussed and pulled out thread. And, and, and we picked, you know, and I, and I told them, it's like, I'm not a great quilter. So we, I don't want the thread to show up. And we picked, it's a brown that's got just a tinge of copper in it. And it's good. It really doesn't show up. So anyway, good, because I have, I, I don't know what other quilts I'm going to make in all of, you know, 2020. One thing I quit totally is just any kind of resolution. Other than, I have been doing really well with standing up straight lately. I'm, I'm, I'm aware of myself when I cross the room how slumped over I am. Um, and it feels so good to straighten up. You know, it's like, oh, I can breathe so much better. Not that I'm breathing great right now. I'm breathing okay. I mean, it's just the congestion. It's like, I want to get back to the gym, but that just feels like, I just feel uncomfortable thinking about it. Like with a clogged ear? I don't think so. Anyway, when I say the gym, I go the Y. I love my Y. It's very cool. Everybody's there. It's, well, it's a very like middle-aged, older person's gym. 
it's a very chill gym. I like it. Um, and I would like to get back. I like going, doing weights twice a week, very light weights, like the lightest weights, like air. Um, and then, uh, I, I like riding the bike. I need to get back into the, um, ellipticals just cause that actually is a, that I feel like that works my heart more, but the bike feels good on my legs. Anyway, that's not about quilting either. Oh, speaking of quilting, I have a book that I want to share with you. Travis, the quilt dog, is sitting right next to me. This is, you know, if I move, he'll follow me because he loves me that much or thinks he thinks I'm going to feed him. Um, so I always like, <laughs> have to think a minute, like, is it worth it for me to get up? Um, because that means Travis is going to get up on it. Maybe he won't right now. Okay, we're walking, we're talking. Standing up straight. Ooh, shoulders back. That feels good. Okay, i got to get this. Okay, you're hearing sounds? It's radio. It's homemade radio. That's what, you know, well, I have a friend, a neighbor, who's doing a new podcast. It's called Small City Innovators. This is my neighbor, Ryan. He and his wife, uh, about 12 years ago, opened a shop downtown. It's called Vert and Vogue. If you're ever in Durham, go see it um, and buy things. It was kind of a real, um, it's slow clothes, you know, like sl slow cooking. This is slow clothing. So it's green and uh, ethical and all kinds of stuff. And they're a delightful couple and have very nice children. <coughs> so he's starting a podcast called Small City Innovators. And if you're interested in local economies and stuff like that, you should listen. Did I just cough in front of you, like into your ear? I'm so sorry. I'm so used to having this cough and this congestion. I don't even think anymore. It's like I cover my mouth. I covered my mouth. Don't panic. Um, yeah, that was rude. I'm really sorry. Anyway, uh, but anyway, so he's doing this podcast and it sounds really good. And he does interviews and he records it in a uh, studio downtown, like a real studio as opposed to say on his wife's couch. Um, I'm on my husband's couch. It's really our couch. We share it, but it is in the study and in, in, in the boys study. Um, yeah, so he does, he, he does it very professionally and it sounds really good. I'm very impressed and proud and what have you. Um, proud to know him, but there's not, you know, I mean, we've talked about this before. There's not enough homemade radio and not enough homemade podcasts. Uh, they're all so professional now. And, and so many are interview-based, which is fine. You know, I like a good interview. Nothing wrong with an interview, but not enough people just sitting around on the couch with the dog talking, in my humble opinion. All right, the book that I want to tell you about here is called Quilted, Personal and Professional Stories. Now, I think it's called Quilted from Pattern to Patchwork, but the little patchwork, the little blurb over it, it says Personal and Professional Stories. It's done by Uppercase Magazine, and I'm sure I've talked about Uppercase because uh, magazine, because a couple years ago I was quite obsessed with it. Um, this is part of their Encyclopedia of an Inspiration uh, series. This is Q. Uh, this is Volume Q, Quilted, Volume Q. And it is uh, edited by Janine Van Gool, who also does uppercase. I haven't gotten uppercase in a while. I might splurge, at least on a back issue. Their back issues are pretty um, reasonable, maybe like $10. And um, that my only problem with uppercase uh, it's just that their, their font size is so small. It's like nine or 10. It's really, you know, and when you're 55, almost 56 and your eyes are fading, you're fading. Um, yeah, that's, that's very small, but it's wonderful. And this book is wonderful. It's okay. So I, I'm going to call it well, you know, I'm sure I've got a I was going to say a thermometer. Uh, I, I, if I were in my space, I would have a ruler nearby. Maybe 10 inches high. And this would be very odd to say, oh, I think it's about 10 by 7. Walk with me. We're going to go get the ruler and measure this. Oh, the man's got a ruler somewhere in here. And, it, and yeah, it's just going to be faster if we go. 
Or well, maybe maybe the boy has a ruler. No, we but we need to know. Now that I've brought the subject up, we need to find out what size is this book. Let's go. We're walking through the kitchen. I'm standing up straight, shoulders back. Oh, I can breathe again. I know, I'm being so silly. This is what five weeks of being congested will do to you. Okay, here we go. It is, in fact, eight. So then I'm going to say five. Nope, totally wrong. Seven. It is now six and three quarters. Let me check the. So eight, eight inches tall, six and three quarters wide. That gives. So now you know. And it is many, many pages. It's almost 400 pages. Type is tiny, so you're getting so much bang for your buck with this. It's a lot of information. I got it for Christmas. And um, let's go back with Travis. He gets lonely. Here we go. Hello, Travi. He hasn't moved. He must be tired. We went on a walk earlier. Yes, we did. All right. So anyway, so it's interviews. It's not... I feel like it's uh, my... Not interviews per se. Uh, that everyone... It's the same questions for everyone. Um, but in, let me tell you who it includes. Uh, Allison Glass. Bill Volkanine, who's a quilt historian and collector. Carolyn Friedlander. Oh, Cheryl Arkinson. She's nice. Um, Denise Schmidt. Let's see. It's... it's uh, Definitely, so Latifa Safir, Nancy Purvis, Sherry Lynn Wood, Tara Fawn, Fawn, um, Scott Hansen. Now, Scott Hansen may be more traditional if I'm thinking of who I'm thinking of. But yeah, it definitely trends modern. That's like, you know, I was talking about the Thomas Knauer book, very modern. Um, I got a comment from Noni. I said that funny, Noni, from Noni. Um... Yeah, Scott Hansen looks like his... I'm thinking of a different Scott. Anyway, I got a comment from Noni um, saying she was not pleased with the, the Why, Why We Quilt book by Thomas Knauer uh, or Knauer. We've had this discussion already, which is that we don't know. Because um, she felt like it covered a lot of the same territory. She's someone who follows modern quilting very closely, so she was already... Fit, I think familiar and perhaps overly familiar, over familiar, overly familiar makes it sound like she put some moves on some people. I don't think Noni did, um, but f- just felt like this was old territory, well treaded. He didn't uh, didn't uncover any new ground. I I feel like I enjoyed it, and so but you can so but there was a nay vote from Noni, um, yeah. So just like. I'd let you know. So anyway, so these, you know, the stuff in here goes in depth, lots of pictures. It's beautiful. Um, you know, it, it, because, you know, so if there's a question about like, what is your process? What is, you know, so many people have like a fairly similar process, you know, the creative process, um, for a lot of us from, from idea to execution to finish, um, you know, there's a lot of messing up, there's a lot of experimentation, there's uh, accepting imperfection in the end, all of that. There, so there can be a certain sameness, and I do, and I, you know, I can't swear to you that every interview is the same, but I feel like it's very close. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and read it while you're waiting. Um, but yeah, but anyway, I've, I'm enjoying looking at it. Uh, I think it's well done. I think that Janine, um, at uppercase is just doing really cool, interesting stuff. So give uppercase a look, give the book a look, you know, that you can ask your library to order books, right? Um, or interlibrary loan. My library, I do interlibrary loans all the time. The only thing that kind of makes me crazy is the book has to be out for a year for them to do a request. I'm not sure why that is. I should ask Patrick. I've gotten very friendly with my interlibrary loan librarian. Um, we really, we've got to be friends. The man has met him. <laughs> yeah, he, he's very, uh, Patrick is very involved with comic books and zines, and there was a big convention in the fall, and we went to that. Um, I brought the man with me. Um, it was very, very cool. But 
Yeah, so anyway, so any of these books that I'm talking about that your library might not have, you can ask them to buy, and you can also do the interlibrary loan, and then move to the cool city that actually has all these books that you love. It's interesting because I guess my library first looks through uh, requests through the through North Carolina libraries, um, and we actually a number of the art books that I have put on interlibrary loan have come from Davidson Library, where not only does Jack go to Davidson College, he works at the library, not doing interlibrary loans, but it's kind of neat. All right, so I'm just chatting. I'm chatting. I'm trying to make up for lost time. But I do think I, I think I'm going to go get back to work. And at some point I need to make some chili because it's Super Bowl Sunday. And I'm not really going to watch the Super Bowl. I'll, you know, I'll come and glance at halftime. The problem with the halftime shows to me is they're just, they're so, they're, it's hard to hear. You know, they're so overdone. There's fireworks. It's, um, some of the performers they get, I think, are just right for that, to do that kind of big show. Like Beyonce was great. And even though you couldn't really hear, she knows how to do a big show. Um, yeah, so we'll see. But otherwise, I think I'm going to sew and watch stuff. I'm watching Sanditon. I think that's what it's called on PBS. It's it's fairly new. It um, is based on an unfinished Jane Austen novel. It's not great. It's not. And I th- a lot of liber- liberties, I think, were taken with the novel. Um, I, I haven't read the novel, but there's stuff that's just like, wow, that's pretty 21st century for Jane Austen. That's true of Anne with an E as well. I, I've, I'm really enjoying Anne with an E. Uh, I have watched it all. It's beautiful. It's like if, if you like textiles and if you like uh, sort of simple, austere kind of housing... <laughs> Uh, you'll like this. It's like the, it. It just it's it's beautifully photographed. It's beautifully filmed or taped or whatever they do, um, or maybe it's beautifully edited. All all of those, I suppose. But um, it gets so twenty first century. There's stuff that happens. You're just like this is not turn of the nineteenth twentieth century. This is you know, and Anne was of Green Gables is certainly spunky and imaginative and you know kind of rode her own pony on her own path kind of person but they're giving they're they're putting stuff you're just like it's I mean it just cracks me up but at first I was just like no no and then now I'm just like all right this is what they're doing and it makes me laugh Um, I think the actress playing Anne is fabulous and um so I'm, I've been having fun watching it, but it, you know it's so. But it is so anachronistic that at times I'm just like going, no. I expect Anne to go, yeah, that doesn't really vibe with me, yeah, because <laughs> all my young people, like my writing group girls, that's that's that is the uh, uh, the verb, um, yeah. It's not just a verb. Well, they use vibe in all kinds of different ways. And I expect Anne, before it's all over with, to talk about how something vibes with her um, or doesn't or has good vibes. That's a little bit more California. The kids today use it differently. But yeah, so, uh, but it's beautiful to watch. So if you're looking for something to watch, I'm not sure I'd watch it with my kids. I mean, I watch it with my kids because my kids are 17 and almost 21. And actually, my kids would have zero interest in watching, you know, I don't know. That's up to you. I don't have to get into that. My kids are so old. Um, I guess in some ways, I think the 10-year-old girl who's in love with the Anna Green Gables books might really the, would like a lot, especially about the first season. And I think at some point, I think it would the show kind of gets away from the magic and gets into a lot of reality that some is not necessarily... I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go so far to say inappropriate for a ten year old, but that's not what what imaginative space that they're in. Whereas I could see you know a fourteen year old kind of being more into what's going on with Anne than a ten year old, and I hate ruining a ten year old's magical imagine 
imagination. You know, that's such a great age for girls. Um, again, so yeah, that's, that's, so it's a little different from saying, oh, that's, that's inappropriate for young people. It's like, no, no, it's the wrong imaginative space for a 10 year old, if that makes sense. All right. See, my ears clogged and I can't even think straight anymore. So I'm going to say bye for now. I hope to be back soon with a good report of a finished quilt and you can give me an A plus. Until then, I remain faithfully yours, Francis. Quilt Diary Day 2. It is Tuesday, February, let's call it the 11th. Why not? We can call it whatever we want. It's America. Um, Hi. So I am trying to be good about this podcast thing and stay up to date. I'm a little disappointed because I missed my guild meeting on Sunday. I'm disappointed just in general about missing it because I didn't go in January because I was sick. I'm much better now. I'm still like still a little, you know, I'm coughing. I'm going to have to pause every once in a while to cough. So I still have a little bit of congestion, but I don't feel sick. And la- even last week, I still kind of felt um, kind of draggy and tired out. And I don't feel that way at all this week. Um, so we're just, we're just right here at the tail end. I actually think I'm going to go back to the gym tomorrow after giving the gym a month's worth of my money and zero days of my presence. (laughs) You just even, you know, even you're starting to feel better. It's like, you just don't want to go to the gym and like hack on everything. Nobody likes that. That doesn't make anyone happy. So, um, yeah, so I felt fine on Sunday and was looking forward to going back. I was also looking forward to having brunch with one of my best friends, Nancy, who I have been friends with for 34 years now. Um, we met in grad school. We both were in the MFA program at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. She was in the fiction program. I was in the poetry program and we met like at the first kind of mixer and, um, Got to be, we're just friends immediately. And um, yeah, and then the next year we got an apartment together, an apartment I still dream about. I loved so much. It was the second story of an old house in Northampton, Massachusetts. Had the floors had just been refinished, it was beautiful. It had a pantry. Oh, I love that pantry. I don't know when the house was built, I assume like in the 1920s. Um, so it was, it, it was the apartment of my dreams, and I have lived in places where I was very happy because I was living in them with the man and with my children and my good dog, Travis, who's sitting right here with me as per usual. Travis just turned 12. Uh, last week he was our birthday pup and, um, yeah, but I've never lived in a place that I just loved as much because it was fabulous. And you know, I can't remember what rent was. Nothing. I think it was probably $300 a month split between the two of us. Of course, I was so broke back then. That seemed like a lot. Anyway, um, Nancy was coming into town. This is one of these fun friend stories in which, so Nancy lives in Nashville. Um, She teaches at the MFA program there. She is a novelist still to this day and a short story writer. And two or three years ago, I can't remember anymore how long it's been, a wonderful friend of hers from Nashville moved to this area, Jen. And Nancy put us in touch and said, you two have to be friends. And Jen and I have been very good friends ever since. We, I would like to see Jan Moore. She, uh, Jan, Jen Moore, she and her husband got a house in Fuquay, Verena, or as she likes to call it, she's very funny, she calls it the Fuquator. Um, it's, it's fairly close to Raleigh. So it's one of these areas around here where it's one of these small towns that is getting developed very rapidly um, because housing is needed for this uh, rapidly growing area. Um, And she and her husband bought this old house and it's fabulous. And it's one of these houses, I always say it's like a dream house in that when you're in it, you feel like you're in a dream because it goes back really far, you know? And if you've ever had a dream like where rooms open up um, off of other rooms and it's, or I, I frequently dream Uh, that my house has rooms that I was never aware of, which I always think is really interesting. Um, Her house is like that, and it's it's really cool. But anyway, uh, I wish she lived in Durham because Fuquay is about 45 minutes from here. So I don't get to see Jen as much as I like. Um, But when I do, I always have a great time. She's very smart and funny and just a a dear, dear person. 
Um, and she and Nancy are still very close. And I think at this point closer than Nancy and I are because we have not lived in the same area for now for uh, 30 years. You know, since grad school, we have stayed in touch that whole time. But um, anyway, so Nancy felt a, a strong need to go to the beach. So she flew to Raleigh and she and Jen went to Wilmington for the weekend. And then on Sunday we met for, we ended up meeting for lunch thought it was going to be brunch and and then it ended up being later and I still thought I could make my meeting at three but we were just having such a fabulous time talking and you know with your real true friends part of the time yes you're catching up oh this happened oh that happened but you're also generating new conversations and talking about what's going on right now Um, and it was that kind of conversation and I I live for that kind of conversation that's all I want is to have talks like that and then go home and curl up into a ball because I'm tired <laughs> and exhausted from talking. Not curl up in a ball because I'm sad, but just because it's like it, it, they're just fabulous. And But as an introvert, it does take a lot out of me. And I, we talked for four hours and Jen was there too. So they came back from the beach and then they drove to Durham. Um, and it was a beautiful day. We sat outside at this place called Gugelhof, which is a German cafe. Um, and we sat outside for four hours and talked, and it was lovely, and I'm glad I did it, but I hated to miss my guild meeting. Um, I, that made me sad, the, you know, just because I haven't seen everyone, and I, I really love my guild. Also, because I thought it would give me all kinds of things to talk about today. And what they were doing, um, the program on Sunday, was about hand quilting and hand piecing and there were stations and, and someone did something on embroidery and someone did something on big stitch quilting and I think Patty who is my uh, friend and also the president of the guild I think she was doing something on hand piecing she and Kristen uh, from a simple handmade every day and the uh, hand piece sew along or quilt along uh, I can't remember what it's called if you're interested uh, let me know. It's a Facebook group. And if you're interested, you, sh- you should listen to Kristen's podcast, um, which is wonderful. She's, uh, she's lovely. Um, she's a dear friend of mine. So, of course, I would say that. But even if um, she weren't my dear friend, she would also, I would still think she was lovely and very interesting. And talks a lot about quilting, but also she knits and does... Um, you know, talks about homemaking and, and various things that she does. Anyway, so if you go to her podcast, which is Simple Handmade Every Day, um, she'll talk about the, the, the sew along, the hand piece quilt along, sew along, stitch along. I am so sorry, Kristen and Patty. But they, Patty and Kristen do that together. They did it last year and are doing it again this year. And I think it's going to be fabulous. I started last year. Um, you know, I have a tendency with these things to get very excited and start and then not finish. I didn't finish the same way. I've not finished frolic, but I might finish frolic. And as I'm talking about frolic, I need to remember, maybe I have my laptop here. I'm going to go to that website as we're talking. Look, homemade radio, real life, the clicking and tapping of laptop keys. And we're going to go over frolic. Mystery quilt. Yeah, there we go. Bonnie Hunter. And because I have until Friday, right? And to finish printing out all the stuff. So now it's up on my laptop and I'll remember to do that. I've printed out most of it, but not all of it. Because, you know, I really like the pattern. Um, My mom finished. Um, I'm not sure my mom is necessarily famous for finishing this stuff either. We've done a couple things like this. We're like, oh, we should finish that up. But she's better. She is so much better at finishing things than I am. Um, I haven't seen the quilt yet, and she did a smaller version. Um, she didn't do the full-sized, or the, I think the full-size quilt equals a queen-size quilt. She did a lap, a lap quilt. She did a laptop quilt. No, she did not. She did a lap quilt. Um, yeah, but I, I, I think it's a really cute pattern, and I kind of would like to finish it just to have it to work on. I'm almost done. Uh, binding my friend Kate's quilt. I finished quilting it. I just did the diagonal wavy lines and you know, it looks just fine. I don't, you know, it's like, you know, uh, my, my friend Holly Ann, um, who does the free motion quilting Academy through quilting rock stars, uh, which I, I highly recommend. She's, she's an amazing person. See, look at me with all my friends. Um, 
I like having friends. To me, friends are the beautiful part of life. And you know, I'm talking about friends here, some who I've known for 30 years and met in real life. Um, and our friendship has mostly been conducted face to face. And then my friends like Holly Ann and Chris and Kristen, who I also uh, have met and spent time with in real life, but are actually friends I made online. So that's a beautiful thing. Anyway, Holly Ann, I always feel <laughs> she's never said, Francis, you are a disappointment to me. Um, but she's like queen of the free motion quilting along with another, <laughs> let me just name drop my friend, Krista Watson. So these are people who do these amazing classes and are amazing teachers. And I so admire what they do, but I'm kind of like, you know, I'm also good with the wiggly diagonal line, <laughs> you know, snaking across my quilt. It, it looks good, you know, and that's what, uh, I, so yeah. I admire really good quilting. I really do. But I'm also happy with this. Um, the, in this case, the quilt quilt speaks for itself. And the quilting's just holding the whole thing together. So, um, yeah, anyway. So I'm almost got the binding done. I have the label on. Uh, so And the label's somewhat bound by the binding. But I also have a little bit to hand stitch. And then there's some pieces. I, I think I'm going to wash it and make sure. There are a lot of small pieces um, like the, a, a lot of piano keys, but like maybe two and a half inches. Let's, let's say they're one inch wide and two and a half inches long. I don't even think they're one inch wide. It, it, it varies, right? Cause it was kind of, it was, um, I, I didn't use a, a ruler to measure. Um, and yeah, some I, I've noticed in just in the working with the quilt that there's some space places where you see the stitching starting to come undone because it's me and I'm stupid uh, about some things and you know like why why wasn't I back stitching this whole way I don't know so I think maybe what I'll do is wash it when I'm done uh, with the binding and with getting the label all the way on and then really closely examine it and see if there are places where I really I need to. Uh, reinforce the stitching and I think there will be um yeah but I like it looks good and I'm happy to be done I'm working on another project that I'm not talking about that much I will as I get closer to being done and um it's just a uh yeah but and but that's more of an art thing in a way and so doing frolic I think would be fun just to have a pattern be scrappy and have something that's just kind of playful and someone else is telling me what to do because I like other people telling me what to do from time to time until I resent it and say, go away, quit telling me what to do. Um, otherwise, I am teaching right now. I'm doing a school residency at a local elementary school with the fifth graders, two fifth grade classes. I'm going in twice a week. I'm doing um, a workshop called How to Build a Story which I, I have a book coming out this summer, same title. It's for kids who want to write. And I feel like I'm continually perfecting the workshop. Like how do you really help someone write a complete short story, uh, particularly someone who is 10 years old? And, um, and I feel like uh, I'm getting better at it all the time and, and understanding what the questions are, what the problems are that arise in this process, what kids need to know, where they need guidance. The problem, I think, in some ways is that um, there are kids who are really, really good at this. They read all the time. They understand almost intuitively story structure. And there are other kids who struggle more with it. And it doesn't have anything to do with their writing ability um, as much as understanding how stories work. Um, but I, I love teaching. If I could do this part-time, I would, if I could find a school that would pay me to come in twice a week to work with a couple classes, um, in the mornings, I, I, I would love doing that. It's really good for me to get out of the house, um, especially this time of year. Uh, it is, we are, we are having some rainy weather. I am completely, you know, don't have an opinion on it. Um, but I have gotten out my sad lamp. <laughs> and in fact, after I finished talking to you, uh, I haven't, I have not sat in front of my sad lamp today and I may go do that. Um, cause it's been, yeah, just a little gloomy in these parts. So, uh, but I do find getting out and working with kids, which I love to do, but I don't think I can be a classroom teacher. I'm one because I, I, I made that decision about 30 years ago, um, to be a writer 
and I've been really, really lucky because I've been, I've been able to make a living doing it. Um, but one of the reasons I knew this, if I taught, I wouldn't write because teaching is such, it's more than a full-time job. I really think it's a calling, uh, so many of the teachers I know, they're so invested in their students and in their schools and their communities. Um, I love them and I love being part of a school community and I would really love to, um, yeah, find a way to do that permanently, but part-time. Anywho, don't know if I'm reading anything. I can't remember if I talked about reading anything other than the quilting book and my last fox. I actually am rereading A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, um, which is one of my favorite books. I haven't read it in two or three years. It's one I've returned to. I don't reread very much anymore. Um, I used to all the time when I was young, but Little Women, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, and this book by... Um, Oh, what's her name? Luane Moriarty, uh, who wrote all kinds of, has written all kinds of really fun books, but this is what Alice forgot. And that is a book, if I'm sick and just want something to read that I know I'll enjoy and find satisfying, that is a book I think at this point I've read four or five times um, because it's, I love, I just love it. Um, if you've never read it, it's what Alice forgot, I think, um, by, by Luane, Mor Luane or Luann, I think it's Luane Moriarty, who also write, wrote like Big Little Lies and all kinds of stuff. But, um, but Tree Grows in Brooklyn is one that uh, I love to return to. It's such a satisfying, wonderful story. And you know, and this is something I've never explored uh, or investigated very much, but Betty Smith, the author of A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, she wrote it in Chapel Hill. She grew up in the tenements of New York City. She grew up in Brooklyn. Uh, I think there's a lot that's autobiographical in the novel, but she um, wrote it here. Her first husband was an academic, and she, uh, I think he, in, he they went to University of Michigan and then came here and divorced. But then she married like an editor of the Chapel Hill Daily News and, and I think lived here for the rest of her life. But again, I don't know that. And it strikes me as a little bit odd that this is the author of one of my favorite books ever, 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 um, who wrote that book here, like within 10 miles of me. Um, and I've not really investigated the story too much or her story too much. So I might need to do that. I hope that you are um, enjoying your February that it is perhaps less dreary than our February right here. And, you know, I hope QuiltCon is coming up. You know, it's my favorite time of year, whether or not I go, because you can follow the story on Instagram and uh, on Facebook. And, I, you know, I, I don't wish for a controversy. I mean, I kind of like a controversy because it's fun to talk about, uh, although too often I think people get hurt. Um but it'll be interesting to hear what people are talking about, what people come back thinking about, um, and, and what way, you know, just seeing all the pictures. Because I feel like, you know, with modern quilting, um, there's always movement. There's always growth and change. Um, and, but I, and I feel like we're at this place where something new may be about to happen, and that's so exciting for me. Um, and to me, uh, probably more to me than for me. It's not personally, I don't know. Maybe it changes me. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Rambling here. So I'm going to let you go as we say. I'm going to let you go, honey. I know you got a lot to do today. But um, I do want to say thanks to everyone who commented on the last episode. Hold on. I'm going to pause you, hon. Okay. Thanks to my girl, Andra. Andra, we're having... Um, lunch or dinner in Atlanta next year okay we need to get that on our calendar Linda thank you for saying you're glad I'm back I'm glad you're back with me thank you not that you've gone away I was going to gone away but thank you thank you um and <laughs> Linda's posted that she was happy to see that I had posted a podcast she was beginning to be concerned about me thank you Linda that just um um makes me happy that people are like what the is Francis okay? We better find out if Francis. It's like it's nice. It's nice, and my mom thinks that too. But I probably I've been in closer touch with my mom over the last few months than with y'all. So thank you. Um, 
Oh, and Linda, thank you for saying, she said, the back of Kate's quilt is beautiful. It could be, easily be the front. And this is something I do. I, To be honest, Linda, th first of all, thank you for saying that. I really like the back, too. And that has been a problem for me. I make these backs that I really like. And I kind of want them to be the front. And, um, you know, I do have a couple quilts that started out as backs. Hi, Melanie. Thank you so much. Um, oh, good. And you say you're going to read the the, ben the Benjamin Austin novel. Let me know what you think. Thank you to Noni. Now, Noni, did I mention this? She, is, she was not as um, excited about why we quilt. Contemporary makers speak out about the power of art, activism, community, and creative creativity. Um, and if you want to know why, you can read her comment, but it was thoughtful and, um, she had, she had, you know, and, and I appreciate her point of view and sharing it. And, um, yeah. And let's see. Yeah. So thank you to everyone who has commented, who's commented in your head. I hear you. Um, I hope you hear me comment back. I always mean to reply to all the comments I get to, um, and sometimes I do and sometimes I don't, but uh, I'm, I really do appreciate them very much. Um, update. Oh, I know. I want to update you on what's going on with Quilt Fiction and Friendship Album 1933. For those of you who are listening, I had sent it to an agent. I heard back from the agent and she really, she likes it, but it's too long. So basically it's about 150,000 words and the standard word count for women's fiction is like 70 to 90,000. So what she said is if I want to reimagine it and cut it down, um, she'd like to see it again. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, right now, I haven't had time to think about it very much. I've got a couple other big projects that I'm working on. But um, I'll come back to it. It's possible that the man and I will publish it through Milton Falls Media. And not, but publish it in two parts. Um, I don't know. And I, I don't, uh, but anyway, I just thought I'd, I'd update you. So that's kind of, it's not really bad news, right? I, and in some ways that the point of sending it out was to get feedback, like, is this even doable? And what this agent said, and this is Sandra Dallas's agent, she's a very established agent. So basically it's not doable at 500 pages. You're going to have, it has to be shorter and they're not interested in doing a serialized novel, which I think is different than a series, and that uh, with a serialized, a serial, a, a book in a series can stand alone, should be able to stand alone on its own, and then the next book might have the same characters, um, and it might be the next stage in their lives, but there are no cliffhangers that are being resolved from the first novel. I think that's what a serialized novel is. It's like, Tune in next time to hear what happens. And so the agent's not interested in that. She would be interested in a series. So we'll see. I need to think about it and ponder it, like I said. Okay, I just wanted to let you know that. So thank you for being here with me, for listening to me, sometimes talking back to me, and I will see you next time. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Off-Kilter Quilt. Come visit me online at offkilterquilt.com. Until next time, this is Francis. Remember, life is short. Quilt first.